Hello and welcome to the third episode of the fifth season of the Flames on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. The joy of the world continues to roll on. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, I... everything in the world is good at the moment. I can't believe you've shown up. Aren't you embarrassed to be here? What? <laughs> you only beat the worst side in the competition by 30 points. That is embarrassing. So you're really running with you should be embarrassed. You should have beaten us by more. Your primary competition is the Western Bulldogs. And you beat us by 98 less points than they did. You've improved since then, haven't you, Banjo? Or I haven't would not you? say 98 points. Are, are, you, are you that miserable, are you? Like, that's I mean, what ben Brown with. kicked eight less goals than Josh Bruce. What a wasted pickup that was. <laughs> Mate, Joseph Fritzel kicked six. Yeah, that's Pretty still good. four goals less than Josh Bruce. Mate, you're not actually running with this, are you? It was, I mean, look, it was a, it pretty, was a pretty ordinary performance. It was. I mean, what, what do we call it? El, El, El Plebico. El Plebico number, yep. what, what number are we at? I don't know, six don't or know. eight or something? It'd be like eight that. or something. There's a yeah. few, we play each other twice every year. For it was some pretty reason. miserable for me in the early days, but it's starting to turn around a little bit, the Battle of the Plebs. Genuinely, I was terrified. I thought we'd get absolutely flogged. I did think it'd be 100 points. Oh, you told oh, well, me, you I... told me that an accurate line would be 80 points. Yeah, and I was right. You were. You, you got 50 points under that. I, mate, I know your game, your thing of just try to build it up to the point that literally anything seems I mean, like success Honestly, to you. Goody should be fired for that performance. <laughs> I literally, my, 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 word, my word for word to you the night before that game was, I think I'll walk away pretty happy with a scrappy, ugly five-goal win. And that is probably the And then I said you should occurred. be embarrassed by that, and you should be. But you know what is embarrassing, Banjo? That was probably your best performance of the year. Not and probably about it, buddy. That was 100% our <laughs> best performance of the we year. We literally Halfway just... through the fourth quarter, we were a goal down against the top side on the ladder. Yeah, it was your Absolutely best Absolutely was our best performance. But we honestly played, I reckon, all up. 20 minutes of football, which was anything like the You know who doesn't give this a shit? This optimistic North Melbourne <laughs> Mate, flexed our muscles twice and just, just blew you away. That, yeah. That's what a good team does. You should have manager. flexed your muscles for maybe 60 <laughs> seconds longer and you would have won by 14 you goals. Know, you're right. I'm ashamed. I we're 7-0. and We're top of the ladder. A game clear. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Genuinely. I mean... Absolutely no support for Cosy Pickett that game. I mean, you're carried by two second-year players, and him and Luke Jackson. Like, what else? Is, where, where are your senior experienced players standing up? Max Gorn was shit house. Yeah, he wasn't great actually. But that's how good we are that we have awful. Jackson come in and got just pants by Todd Goldstein. He had an off game, Maxwell. All right. Now, Banjo, <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. What are you honestly most? Um, what are you mo- most jealous of in the Melbourne team at the moment? Oh, there's no, well, what there's is it absolutely that- no doubt about it. Cozzy? No. Jackson? No. Fritch? No. Who? Like, honestly, it's track, and you know this, I've said this uh, a thousand times, it's not close. Okay, who's second there, aside from track? Uh, Track's fair. Um, Maxwell? No. <laughs> For the same Clary? reason, no, mate. Matt Clary's up there. <laughs> I'd probably go Cozzy too. Just because he's fun to watch Do you hear that he's statistically the best player under 20 ever? Apparently, according to champion data if, if you have and Gary Lyon relaying what champion data Scott, has to I, say. Scott, I know numbers confuse you And you just take them at their word But if you have any, put any thought into the, those rankings There are problems with it you just got to know that to like move on. <laughs> Alright, Banjo Well, look, I'm still a happy man, as you know You're trying to talk some rubbish about being happy yourself, even though you're zero and seven with a percentage of under 50. Oh, no, no. What's happened is I've cried myself to sleep for six weekends, and this is the first time 
I've only cried myself to like the afternoon and then I've been fine for the night. <laughs> you, you won't, you, so you, didn't, you still didn't wake up with a smile today. You've, just, you've had a couple of frothies and you're feeling okay. Well, today's Tuesday. Okay. So that's a bit far gone from when I was crying myself to sleep anyway. <laughs> All right, Banjo. Look, we're, we're now, what are we, seven rounds into the season. Mm-hmm. So I think we're probably at that About point a third of the way. in which we feel like we've got an idea of where the season's shaping up, who are the good teams, who are the bad teams, um, and to have an idea, to be able to make some projections as to what we mm-hmm. think going forward. So I kind of thought, let's touch base a little bit, because I, I don't know exactly who you think is going to win the flag, Banjo. So oh. I gave you the task. Honestly, there's a certain team, and if they don't win it, it's failure of a year. I want your top five seeds, is what I want. Now, this isn't who you think will finish one. First to fifth. This is your top five. Who would you put money on most likely to win the premiership? That's what I want to have from you, Ben. Sounds so, good. We're going from five up. Yep, go from five up. You just run through yours. We don't have to do the whole top five thing that we normally do. Okay. Just tell me from five to one. I'm, I'm starting with Brisbane. At five? Yep. Yep, okay. About the same for you or what, what's... Uh... No, I'll tell you afterwards. I want to see what has your shapes up first. This is an idiotic way of structuring this, but I've got Brisbane. They've come good recently. They've started winning the contested ball. Uh, they've lost Neil and somehow pulled through and absolutely spanked Port on the weekend, which is a pretty good sign. Joe Dan has started to look good, and yeah, if they get it all together, they can still be quite dangerous. Just quickly, just drop your jaw slightly, because I actually have remembered. Do you remember in the last podcast, you said that Brisbane were terrible, and they're not going to make finals, or whatever you said, and I said that let's revisit this on the next podcast, and we'll see where they're at then, because I disagreed Mate, with you. I cannot So be, you've already backflipped? I cannot be held accountable for Cane Corns calls. Like, they, they, there is a... Was cone. it a Cane Corns call? It absolutely oh. was a Cane Corns call. We can go back yeah. and look at the rundown. It was a Cane Corns call. Those are said, like, that is a judgment-free zone. You're allowed to say whatever you want there, and no one's supposed to hold you accountable, Scott. So literally, you've broken my trust, look, and I'm upset. There was a you. period of time you were backflip O'Kane. Okay? Yeah, you're back on that, all right? You're backflip O'Kane okay Mate, again. you're just jealous of my flexibility. Who have you got it for? I've got Port. I think they've got okay. enough runs on the board to stay there. They haven't been as impressive as the teams I've got above them, but I still think they're a red-hot chance if mm-hmm. things break their way. They haven't said Melbourne yet. Who's three? They're, they're, missing, um, they're missing Butters, Port, so... I think once he comes back, they'll look a lot more dangerous. Stop talking about your fantasy team. Who have you got at number three? I got the dogs at three. Oh, Jesus. How high are you putting Mel? You're not putting Mel at one. <laughs> I got the dogs at three. Uh, I honestly probably would have had them one a week ago, but they, uh, the Tigers showed a little something. They showed yeah. a few weaknesses. I had them at one. I did, not, I did not see them ever losing in the midfield the way they lost last week, and they probably should be embarrassed. I know they didn't have Dunkley, but their second half in from the midfielders was pathetic for the talent they've got and they got shown up for the weaknesses they do have which is in defense and their lack of ability to shut down key forwards. we all know only pretenders fail the richmond test we we know that we, yep, we've accomplished yep, yep. that number um, two um, let me guess I, it's going to be richmond i've got two. i've got a team that's never failed the richmond test at number two it's richmond <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on mate you're just trolling me you're not actually you don't actually think melbourne are you so richmond I just can't see them winning four and five. That's just too big a task, and that's part of the reason there. And importantly, they lost to my number one side pretty convincingly the week before when they still had Dusty. So, number one, I've got the Ds with a bullet. You because, do not. I mean, you've just you've just had a great start to the year. You've beaten other contenders, which not many of these the sides I've listed have really faced too many, but you beat Geelong, you beat Richmond... I think, yeah, I think you're a really good side, and I just think you're the favourite no, right now. No, be got- serious. If, if you had 
at how much is a lot of money for you? <laughs> if you five had, bucks. Five bucks, mate. <laughs> if you had your whole life saving in five bucks, who would you put it on now? Would you actually put it on Melbourne? Yeah, I think I would. Jesus. Do you think, I can't tell if you're being serious. No, I, I, I would. I think your, your midfield is one of the few that can nullify what Richmond do well. And any, the only... I kind of think you have to be able to beat Richmond, and I'm very disappointed that the dogs couldn't. I hate you for this. I, I really hate this, putting this, this sort of expectation on Melbourne. I mean, honestly, by now, if Melbourne don't win the flag, Goody should get fired. Um, this is, I'm uh, see, flag. I know this is where you're going with that. I've talked to you about my sort of rankings. I kind of have in the past. I've got my top five here, but I've talked to you before. I still think Melbourne would be lucky to make the eight at yeah, the moment. Okay. So if we this make the eight... This is more of a piss take. You are, are further <laughs> off and taking more of the piss than I am here. There are a lot of good teams around. I still think if we manage to scrape into finals, it's a highly successful at season. Worst, at worst... You are third. Keep that bar nice and low, Banjo. Look, uh, there are a lot of good teams around. If we make the eight, I think we've done well, okay? You deserve a concussion for the way you're talking Look, right I now. Think, I this think I've got a reasonable This is absolute horseshit. My, my, <laughs> my top five, Banjo, I've got Brisbane at five as well. Yep. And then, no, you, I think it's fair enough. At four, Banjo, I've got Geelong at number four. I still think that they're a bloody good team. I think their list is that good, and I think that I, I think Chris Scott is a good coach, and I think they'll work it out. So I still have them at number four. Three, I've got Port Adelaide, two Western Bulldogs, and then at one, I've I have Richmond. After their performance on the weekend, I still think they're the team. This which is you be. cowardly. I'm just I'm ashamed to be your friend right they're now. All, they're Absolutely all more likely than Melbourne. If we make the eight banjo, I'm walking away happy with our season. If North Melbourne had started seven and oh, and you know what we've got recent history with this, I'd be saying we're gonna win the flag, even if we weren't gonna win the flag. And you're just cowardly. You're preparing yourself for disappointment and that's just that's just soft. Just it's a tick making the eight banjo. That's it's what just I think about. Soft. Now, the next thing was something you brought to the table because yep. being you, you wanted to be negative once again. Yeah. What so did you want to I just wanted about? to just have a brief discussion on who the worst teams to support right now are because... What do you I mean need, worst teams? Like, which, which clubs would you feel the shittest about? Because I need a bit of emotional support. Scott, I've been going through a hard time. We've got actually... We should mention, we've got a peanut gallery here. We've got your brother, Lewis. <laughs> uh, he, he's got a segment coming up later and he wants to say something. So About worst teams? Yeah, or? the worst team to bury for at the moment would be Carlton. Oh, oh, this is a take. This isn't even on my list. They're an absolute embarrassment. You To be a Carlton supporter, every year it's the same <laughs> shit. Every year, oh, we're going to be good, we're going to be good. They come up against Richmond, they lose, but play okay. Everyone gets all excited. They're an absolute embarrassment. David Teague is a spud. And Carlton are a, a joke. He never had a strong opinion on this until yeah, this weekend. All of a sudden, he's decided yeah, that Carlton are a jo- joke. Oh, come on. That's I am such a big fan of this take. I had prepared one team I was willing to say are worse than North Melbourne and have yeah. one sort of half team. And you've just come up with a complete wild card for me. And I agree. Uh, Carlton were the half agreed. team, weren't they? No, they were not. They were the half team. North and Carlton. <laughs> Carlton are a joke. Where, You're a where man. are they? What are, they're in no man's land. You can say as long as you want. You can have as much food as you want, Lewis. I know Scott doesn't let you eat anymore, but you can have as much food as you want. Yeah. Lewis, Lewis, <laughs> Lewis. At least someone cares about Carlton in the world or someone outside That's of That's not the criteria. North Melbourne are a meaningless football that club. That is not the that criteria. no one cares about. You are clearly, clearly the worst team. Mate, you, you lose a game and all your, all your mates are going off to the ski lodge. What, what's your shit? argument, Banjo? So Who do you, you want to hear about? my half take? Your half take first, okay. So, the one team 
I think if they hadn't won a shitload of flags recently, it'd be Hawthorne. <laughs> oh, so, no, that's like, a pretty big disclaimer. Yeah, going forward. So they're, they're, they're ruled out. But going forward, I think they are one of the bleakest situations. Yeah. They have absolutely no kids to get excited about other than Giaf. Uh, he is pretty exciting. <laughs> he's very exciting. But none of the rest of them are interesting. Warple's gone backwards at a rate of nods. So the rest that, of them are old guy plotters. run down by Cosy Pickett? Yes. yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, oh, he no, did. Him, he yeah. did, and he also got bitched. In a and nice that was exciting, wasn't yeah. it? We had beaten on a one-on-one. <laughs> one. yeah. Yes, Lewis. All right, all right. <laughs> you, you've got a segment coming up. Anyway, <laughs> CJ is exciting, but you are correct. They don't have a lot yeah, of kids. So outside of the fact that they've been the most successful club in recent memory, it's not very exciting. <laughs> uh, so two, I will, I will admit, I think North is a bit of a struggle at the moment. I'm going to put us there. But number one, <laughs> number one, we're going to gloss over all, all North's inadequacies. Number one is Collingwood, and I think it's quite comfortably Collingwood. They it's are, your best argument. They are shit. We're just going to put that out there. They lost the Gold Coast. They're one and six. That is awful. Yeah, they're second last. They yeah. are old, which is not a good place to be when you're shit. Yeah. They have no draft picks. They do have a father-son who's going to be us. really good, but they gave up a draft pick to get him for absolutely no value. They gave up what is looking like pick two at the moment, or uh, let's be honest, it'd probably be about pick five, but they gave that up for pick 20 and pick 30 or something. They gave that away. They've pretty much given up this entire draft yeah. just getting Dacos. And the yeah. worst part about it is they're going to have to trade next year, the year after's future picks to be able to afford Dacos. Otherwise, they're going to have next year's draft ruined by the deficit they've got. So they're fucked. <laughs> Language bad. They, yeah, you are playing them this weekend, mate. Yeah, and we're going to lose by five goals, but who cares? <laughs> they gave away Stevenson <laughs> for absolutely nothing. They gave away a 21-year-old player to start a rebuild and didn't even get a good draft no, pick back. Funniest bit still to come. They gave away Trelaw, <laughs> and they're still paying him $300,000 a year. <laughs> That's the best part of it. They're paying him quite a sizable salary to dominate for another team. Paying him like, Let's never forget that. That is the funny, one of the funniest things that's they, ever they happened are paying, They are paying him an average player's wage, a full player's wage, to play for somebody else. And dominate and for somebody else. And possibly win a flag for somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm devastated about Ben Brown and how that turned out. And they did that with I'm two not. players. <laughs> <laughs> they did that twice as many times as we did. And then they, they pissed off uh, Phillips as well. He's fine and average. Doesn't really matter. But It'd still be useful for him. But yeah. Yeah. There is no hope. They've got they're like three years away from like resetting the list. They've got Pendlebury's gonna ride off into the sunset without doing anything ever again. Same with side bottom. Adams will probably be gone by the time they're done. They've got a Brody Grundy's albatross of a contract, and he can't uh, have a hit out to advantage to save himself anymore. Uh, it's it's all downhill. It's all negatives. Like what's happy? That's your best argument, but you were still bottom of the ladder with a percentage less than 50 and <laughs> you are an irrelevant football player. So This is where we're supposed to be, Scott. It's all about taking the appropriate steps and we've taken the hardest one and that's to strip everything back. You've made a good argument, but Have I still think Have you heard the name Jason Horn? No. Because apparently plays like Gary Ablett. So, <laughs> and that's what I've got to look forward to. <laughs> Which one? Hey, which one do you care? <laughs> Either of them's fine. But, but both are pretty good. Fair enough. Are you, you going to say, oh, no, it's only senior? Oh, oh, no, I'll be terribly disappointed by that. Okay, Banjo. Continuing on with just a little sort of chit-chat about the state of the season. <laughs> we thought we'd bring a few takes of our mm, A few little tidbits, mm. I would say, Banjo. I'll describe them as. Not quite Cane Corn's takes, though. A bit more measured. Yes, correct. Now, something I wanted to, to bring to the table, and look, 
inspired this by is a Melbourne. Pleasant change. <laughs> inspired by Melbourne, but it's not necessarily a Melbourne take. But I'm fascinated by the fact at the at the moment that Melbourne look like a quite a good team. And we're the only... Best team in the competition. And if you don't win the flag, it's a failure. It's how I describe it. Shut up. We are the only team in memory or in my lifetime who have put basically all of their money into their back line, which oh. I find fascinating. I agree You've got another you. one, do you? Or? I was listening to another <laughs> rival podcast and they raised a point to say that apparently this is like Port Adelaide in 2004 who... Outside of Chad Corns, which is a fair What do they do? Like, oh, they brought in Wakelin and know, Wanganine and some other players. Like, apparently, they brought in a whole heap of other backmen. Okay. And they built it. So, yeah, great take, Scott. <laughs> Shut up, man. But look I, look, I find it interesting because there is a pretty big argument to make that midfield is where the game is won and lost. And there are numerous, numerous teams throughout history have just thrown all their money into having the best midfield possible or and have hoped to figure it out outside of that. Forward line's the other one. We have seen teams, I think probably the best example is Sydney with Buddy and Tippett, in which they yeah. throw a couple of million dollars at a couple of superstars. If you look at saying, how much North paid Wayne Carey in the 90s, you'd also mm-hmm. think that too. <laughs> Get the forward line to work, I don't know, we'll, we'll patch together a back line. Melbourne, I honestly for a long time have thought that it was a really weird and probably wrong decision to throw that much mm. money into your back line because I realistically think that... You can make defenders. You can find defenders. You can put people from other positions into the back line and they'll probably turn out to be all right. Send a so failed forward there. You don't want to throw millions of dollars at your back line. Mm. But right now, our game is built around our back line. It's built around May and Lever. We're not... Tomlinson. Was Tomlinson, but we're not dominating the stoppages in the way that we used to. We're good at times. We're getting mm. beaten at other times. You we lost clearances by, to North. By North by quite a bit. We've lost a few games in the clearances. That's but another we're embarrassing part of the Creating our game from our defence and from our back line. And I, I, I just find that a really interesting... I mean, my, my thoughts for you, Banjo, is, I mean, if I gave you... If you were all of a sudden North's list manager and you were trying to build a team and I said to you, I'm giving you $2 million, you have to get two players... And you have to get them from the same position. What would you pick? What do you mean? Where would you put your money into? Midfield, forward, back line, Ruckman? Yeah, it'd still be the midfield. I don't really care about it. It's yeah. midfield? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it depends on where the club's at. We had no like if I, if I could, if, if, I, if I could grab uh, Dusty and Petrarca, that's still way more impactful than Lever and May at a million dollars each. No, but my, as far as the midfield goes, I think... I think the best argument you, I can make in regards to that is there are so many midfielders out there. There are so many midfielders That's who, could absolutely draft, true. who could turn out to be very, very good. Yeah. There, there are a dime a dozen. There are so many midfielders. You can find a way to get a midfield together. Mm. Would you still think that that is the, the spot where you'd invest the most? And I know it depends on where the clubs are. I get that. But I'm, I'm saying let's remove that that from it. It's just You're a, saying that, but there, a, so there, a hypothetical discussion. There are... Two sort of it teams at the moment this year. And the other one is the Dogs, who have done exactly what you're saying is not the right way to do things. I'm not saying it's not the right way to do things, but I'm just sort of playing a bit of devil's advocate. There's an argument to make anyway, and I think this is the first team I've seen doing it with a back line, and at the moment it seems to be working. Yeah, but can I just say one thing? We did it because at the time, in 2018... <laughs> you had Oscar McDonald. <laughs> we had Oscar McDonald. And Sam Frost. And Sam Frost <laughs> as our back line, and they clearly identified that that was our issue, and then they went and got... May and Lever. We had the we had a we had a best ruckman in the comp. We had a good young uh, on ball division. We had 
well, at the time we had Hogan. And McDonald playing and, well. And McDonald playing well and Wiedemann. So yeah. the back line was our issue and that's why we invested in it. I, look, I understand, I understand the logic behind why we did it. But my point is more, I think there are many people out there who would quite sensibly say, you've got this money in your salary cap, make sure you lock in these guns, get some other sort of high-end mm. draft picks, just pure talent, and then we'll probably be able to chuck some forwards who don't make the team in the back line and they'll probably work out and become good defenders. I just say, it does feel... More closer to what Richmond built than most other things. Like Richmond Street. Well, when they had Rance and they had Grimes and they had Asprey and they had Vloston and they had Hooley and their backline was just absolutely cooked with talent. Yeah, but we, invent, we went out. I know, I know. And I'm not saying the method you got to get your backline yeah. is the same, but the end result of having an absolutely overloaded with talent or relative talent backline is reminiscent of how the Richmond teams while Rance was still playing were and I guess Bolters kind of just replaced they, Rance. D- they didn't throw millions of dollars into their back line. no but Rance was on a truckload yeah eventually he was but he was like they didn't go out to recruit no, defenders no they and managed that's, to that's create defenders the method is different but I think the end result is not too dissimilar mm. all right well look I, I honestly but hopefully you don't win three flags in look, four if years. I had to give my answer I, I personally think the forward line is where you put your money into I think that is the hardest position to play and the hardest players to get I, I think getting a properly talented forward who has forward craft is extremely rare and that's and why north are going to walk harry mckay to the preseason draft on three million dollars a year shut up banjo what have you got to bring to the table matt i want to talk about essendon a bit they've won two games they do have a percentage of 95 and that's pretty impressive that's but i do think t- people are getting a bit too ahead of themselves with essendon mm, i agree they've had one draft in the last four years i'd say pretty much since mcgrath they did not make a draft pick and they just kept topping up, topping up, topping up until this year, which they did take three top 10 picks. And most of them look good. We haven't really seen much of um, Zach Reed, but the rest of them, Cox and Perkins, look pretty good. But I don't understand how it's all sunshine and daisies over there. They're still in the same sort of problem area that they were a little while ago. They don't quite have a good enough midfield and they don't really have a whole heap of talent. They're getting a huge contribution from Kale Hooker, who's like second or third in the Coleman. And that's not going to last. They no, <laughs> we've seen this before. <laughs> like, they, they've replaced Saad pretty well with Hind, and that's good. They've sent Heppel back. But they just don't have a huge... They just don't have the depth of talent there for this to be a sustainable build. They've turned Parrish into a good midfielder by actually playing him in the midfield, and that's a positive. But I'm just... I'm sceptical that they can step up the required levels to get anywhere near contention with this list. They need to keep building. I find the shift in narrative around Essendon fascinating. Mm. That I think for a long period of time we thought, Essendon probably should be quite a good team. They're underperforming. Why aren't they making finals? And then all of a sudden we're saying, no, they're a rebuilding team at the bottom of a rebuild and they're doing fantastically well. I think at the start of the year, if people said they'd be sitting where they are, they'd say that's probably a bit of a disappointment. It's, I think Essendon did outright say we are mm. rebuilding and all of a sudden people have jumped Buys on that and said... They're a rebuilding club. We're going to have really low expectations of them. But are they that much into a rebuild? I mean, they've still got a fair bit of talent around. And look, they've got injuries with Hurley out and Sheil out. But Caldwell. But then they've got Parrish and McGrath. We're probably not too far off the 
prime of their careers no, playing like, in the midfield. They shouldn't be too far off. Parrish was the age. same draft as Oliver, and you don't go, oh, wow, Oliver's still developing. Yeah, he's not <laughs> a developing player, exactly. Um, and then you say, like, they have, like, Hooker and Hurley, and then they've got Heppel, mm. and they've still got a bit of experience there. I mean, are, are we really saying that this is a complete and utter rebuild and that they're doing fantastically well as a result? It's, I find it interesting that that's the narrative in which people have gone down. No, and the only successful version of what they're doing, if they try and accelerate from here and don't keep hitting the draft is Port Adelaide. Like Port Adelaide did the same sort of get a lot of experienced yeah, players in true, go, actually. oh, it's not working and then hit the draft really hard for one year. And give it a, just a spurt. Yeah. yeah. But that's not what they're saying but about they, this, Yeah, it? and yeah. they haven't gone from there to fourth immediately <laughs> or whatever Port did. Port yeah. immediately turned into a contending team from that. I just, I don't see how, unless they keep sort of replenishing from the draft quite aggressively how it gets anywhere good in the end like they'll come seventh again in two years if it, everything keeps going yeah, and well, yeah. then if, we're still not I winning sp- finals I <laughs> sp- if it's a full rebuild that they're saying that it is then i suppose yeah that's the good path to be going down but i, I find it interesting how much we've just lowered our yeah. expectations and around. to be fair they're still fourth last so it's not like they're not getting a good draft pick this year Banjo, the next thing which I'm bringing to the table is quite because you said to me, now, your things that you're bringing to the table for this pod, nothing is allowed to be Cozzy Pickett related. Is what I you said, said limit the Cozzy Pickett, said, and you haven't I done said, that at all. I said, I've got one idea. Uh, it's not about Cozzy, but it was inspired by Cozzy. Is, it, is it the Picketts are the best footballing family or something instead <laughs> no, of the Riolis? Banjo, do you remember a few years ago when we started talking about my dickhead theory? No. I <laughs> don't remember it at all. We had a long chat about how we're of the opinion that being a bit of a dickhead in the AFL is a good thing. I'm not saying Cozzy's a dickhead, but I'm getting there. He does okay? have a bit of arrogance. I'll give you. I know. I think I get what you're saying. But we're saying that so I think yeah. I think footballers their abilities increase by being a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. I think if you've got a bit of arrogance, a bit of healthy swagger about you, you will end up having better you, you results. Don't, you it's don't, a good thing. You don't turn into a superstar by not believing in yourself. Now, what was the narrative a couple of weeks ago about Cozzy Pickett rubbing it into Essendon after he got whacked, got a free kick and kicked a goal and then celebrate? Oh, sorry, not Richmond, Richmond. Sorry, I said Essendon. Richmond, rubbing it into their face and them saying, you need to have a bit of modesty, they've won three flags. Yeah, absolute to... horseshit. Absolute load of rubbish. No, I, I'm, I I'm ab- still angry about Sam Mitchell getting in trouble for doing the injection symbol to the Essendon players. <laughs> like, I am very pro this argument. I feel like that was a bit personal <laughs> and a bit too far, but... It's also a bit like... Low hanging fruit. I was so saying scoreboard to a team you're beating. You can't really talk about low hanging fruit in that context. And it's just such a. No, rate it. I loved what Cozzy Pickett brought to the table because we're playing Richmond, who for many, many years they've been the bullies. They would have been the ones bullying us, and we would have felt a little bit, I don't know, subservient. When you think about it, before Richmond, who were the bullies? It was Hawthorne. And who are the two most successful sides of the last decade? Richmond and Hawthorne. It tends to correlate with doing well because if you can bully someone in a football field, you kind of should. Mate, the best teams are dickheads. I love the fact that we're an up-and-coming team and we have a young kid who's Wayne willing Carey, to stand up Wayne Carey, absolute to asshole. Yep. Puff out his <laughs> to chest. his own teammates as well. Yeah. <laughs> Slight downfall there. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I absolutely loved it, Fran. I find it interesting. There are media people who just cannot be happy with no matter what happens. No. I would have heard Kane Corns a million times talk about how you need to have a bit of attitude and not be bullied. And then as soon as someone does that, he's saying, oh, you need to be modest. You can't. Yeah. I, you, I there, there, There's this story. magical fine line that no one has ever actually treaded. Like, do you know anyone who's 
been that perfect amount of dickhead, but also not been too much of a dickhead. I know now, mate. It's going to be Cosy Pickett. He has a perfect amount of dickhead to it, and I absolutely loved it, and I'm very upset. I can't believe you found religion in Cosy Pickett. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, the dickhead theory works, man. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Like, you know, big Toby Green fan over here. Mine, my next one, I've gone Noah Anderson. I think you might be better than Real in the long um, run. Can you just stop running through all of your young fantasy players and saying how good they are? He's a genuine jet. And I think he... I think you haven't seen enough of Raul. Yeah, he's better than Raul. I suppose he is at the moment because right. Raul's played about okay, five uh, games. Like, let's say he could be better than the idea of Raul because the idea <laughs> of Raul is... <laughs> the idea of Raul is pretty developed. Everyone's like, oh, he's just going to be an out-and-out yeah. superstar, yeah, top yeah. five player in the competition no matter what. Anderson, I think, has got the same sort of ceiling. He is so good. He's such a good user of the football. It, like Every second week, he's best on ground at the moment for the Gold Coast. He is absolutely fantastic. He's so far ahead of where he should be. And, he and no one's talking about him at all because everyone is just like, row, 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 row. Uh, and because it's Gold Coast. Mate, he only had 16 disposals this week. He didn't play that well. Yeah, it was his worst game by a mile this year. <laughs> look, I'm he not was gonna... averaging 27 touches a game heading into that week. Yeah, for your second year, look, you're right. I mean, one, he plays for Gold Coast. But isn't this great for him? That it's he's, absolutely perfect. It's the perfect. He is the lowest for... pressured number two draft pick in the history of the AFL. Can you think of anybody who's been yeah. picked two who has had less pressure on them? Yep, he can come in, play a critical role very, very well for a, a developing team yeah. and not get overhyped. Like, it's actually perfection for him. So stop talking about him if you want him to be good. No, I just love him so much. Mm. All right. Now, Banjo, the third thing I wanted to talk about is this a couple of stories over the last couple of weeks, kind of injury related, which mm-hmm. I don't think have got enough airtime because I honestly think that there are a couple of. Are the... we just going to list off your fantasy team's injuries? No, only one of them is about <laughs> my fantasy team. But I think these are a couple of the weirdest stories I have seen in football that I just cannot get my head around. Now, the first one did get some airtime, mm-hmm. but I still think it deserved a lot more. The Tom Lynch sub debacle. I genuinely can't understand I, what this is. I like, okay, completely and utterly unforgivable by Adelaide, of course, yep. to have had an injured player as your sub who's not ready to go, who you know is going to take half an hour to be ready to go. Makes no sense. Completely and utterly unforgivable. But that's not even the thing which gets me. I just find it so weird like I just cannot get my head around how in any way shape or form anyone even considered having that as a having him as a medical sub my favorite part is Tom Lynch is too good a player to be a sub to begin with like he is a very good player he's getting a bit on with it but he's a very good player he was actually in reasonable form and if he's a player who needs a rest you don't rest someone by being a medical sub they're like, what were they trying to achieve by that? Just rest him for a game. You've got plenty of players in the sandful. They, I just don't get they, it. They tried to defend it. They're like, yeah, it was part of the plan. We knew that he would take half an hour to warm up and we wanted him for his first rotation. Stop there. What? He's a medical sub. The whole point of a medical sub is they can come on straight is that away. they are ready to go at a moment's notice. And the other thing which hasn't been talked about... He was out this week injured. He was out of the team injury because he's clearly injured. I genuinely didn't. He was see out. That at he all. was an out. And I was like, <laughs> what did he get dropped? Brackets injured. <laughs> like, he was clearly an injured player. Why was he sub? Uh, who do you reckon fucked up there? Uh, Who's at fault? I have no I, idea. I don't think I can blame Nick's. 
Maybe the GM of football, but they're medical staff. Oh, my God. I think it's one of the weirdest stories. I've seen. And the other one, which hasn't got any airtime at all. Maybe. Now, this is a bit of my fantasy team related. Tom Hickey, he gets scans. He's done his PCL. He's out for six to eight weeks. He misses one week. Then in their injury report midweek, it has him listed as five to seven weeks. Still out. Gets picked. He gets picked and he plays and he plays very, very well. Absolutely staggering. But you are underselling this story. Not only was Tom Hickey that, Isaac Keeney breaks his hand yeah. punching somebody in the face, which should have got suspended for, but whatever. Uh, four, four to five weeks, out one week, back the next week. Yeah, he was out for a cup, but at least hands. Buddy Franklin, whatever his injury was, out three to four weeks. Uh, two weeks, going to be back this week as well. Stephen May was meant to be out for a month. No, he was meant. No, he was out for two to four, and he missed a week. But yeah, look. But those things, such as broken bones, broken hands, they're sort of things in which they can say, "We'll put a glove on them." They'll cope with the pain, and they might be able to get through. I've seen it happen before. Isaac Kenny just won't punch anyone in the face again. (laughs) I haven't seen it happen with a PCL. And, and, and no. there was no explanation for Like someone clearly misdiagnosed him. You cannot come back five weeks earlier than the diagnosis, a minimum five weeks yeah. earlier, without someone have made a mistake. Surely they got it wrong. The scans were wrong. He didn't have a PCL. Surely it was bruising or something. It, it makes no sense. I just don't understand why you're complaining, Scott. It absolutely, absolutely <laughs> saved your fantasy. Uh, Banjo, your last little tidbit. What have you got? Uh, well, keeping on the Sydney theme, I just... I kind of want to reflect on how well they've started, but I do think they are overperforming a bit. They're currently fourth. I somehow think they'll make finals because they've just won too many games not to, but I just don't really see them as this good a side. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, having said that, they'll beat Melbourne this week. I'm pretty I confident. just don't understand where got, this got a, thinking got comes from. Got the heebie-jeebies, from. mate. Got a real bad feeling. Good. They'll knock us off. You are cuckolded by Melbourne's past, my friend. You just are so scarred by your tanking and your absolute your Dean Baileys and your Mark Neals that you just can't enjoy enjoy what should be the happiest moment in your supporting Melbourne supporting live. And you're just you're just too pessimistic. The interesting thing with Sydney is, realistically, <laughs> <laughs> realistically. They're in development zone, aren't they? They're, yeah. they're, they're, that's what they're doing. They're drafting, they're developing kids. They're, they're, they're trying to be a development The thing team. about Sydney is they, they just... don't have to cut as deep as any other club because they get academy Yes, picks. yes. You've already <laughs> discussed this last week, Benjo. But, um, I mean, we have to be speaking positively about them, don't we? I yeah. mean, they're developing they're and they happen to be performing very well. Yeah, lot, I don't think they're going to be finishing. A lot of forward, last but... year's draft, they didn't really look like they'd hit so much last year playing really quite well. Chad Warner, who didn't really have much of an impact at all last year, was having a fantastic year. There's mm. a chance to win the Rising Star, if I'm honest. And yeah, as Dylan Stevens came in for his first game in a little while, played pretty well last week. They, they, they've just seemed to hit on a lot of their draft picks and that accelerates your rebuild, funnily some, enough. Some have dropped off. Goulden hasn't been as good as he was when he started, but he was damn good when he started. Yeah, He's Goulden still playing was right. one of the best players in the league his first month or so. He was, he was. borderline rowlish. But Braden Campbell got dropped. Uh, uh, Blakey also got dropped. Yeah, oh, your boy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and also Logan right. McDonald got dropped. So three top ten picks have yeah. been dropped, but that just kind of tells you where they're at. They're playing... Pretty well and have a lot of depth at the moment and a lot of talent still to come through. Focus on the podcast, you two. I'm over no, here with Melbourne supporters. No, just, about, he probably, has something to bring to the no, table. It's, it's probably about, about, about Petraka. Now, the rap, apparently why he returned so quickly was 
Longmire says that his knee must have been used to not having a full uh, posterior cruciate, if that makes sense. He no, was quoted as saying that. It does not. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense at all. <laughs> that's new. That he might have heard. That. He might have heard it in 2016, and that's why he was able to recover. So much. He was able to recover so much, according to the article. <laughs> it makes so no much. sense at all. Someone stuffed up and they're covering it up. But we anyway. need to move on to the next segment because I can't dwell oh, on that. This will be good, though. Is this, is, are we doing it? Is it time for Gold Jacket Green Jacket? It unfortunately is time for Gold Jacket Green Jacket, yes. Look, do your little shitty spiel. Yeah, and Lewis, do you know where the, the title comes from? What, what movie it's from? Gold Jacket Green Jacket? No. You don't? All right, so you know Happy Gilmore, the movie starring Adam Sandler? Have you seen it? Is that... Um, I thought it was Billy Madison. No, no. Happy Gilmore, the golf one. The one about golf. You know, uh, with Chubbs Peterson and that. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so look, that, 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 there is a line in it, quite a funny line in which he says, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit. So what we like to talk about on the pod is the most meaningless AFL games, which are going when around. say so, that in the movie? Uh, I'm going to say about... 20 minutes in it was fairly early what was it in relation to shut up no we're not going any bit further than that i've seen oh, the movie this is by far the best intro this segment has ever had thank you lewis i really appreciate your we presence. talk we talk about the most meaningless games of the round or we was of the round now of the three rounds because it's been three weeks since we did the podcast yep. so i have gone through and i've plugged them into my formula my gold jacket green jacket the computer formula, to see what the most meaningless ga- mm-hmm. games of the last three rounds were so starting with one vote banjo uh, surprisingly enough north are involved so we've gone Fremantle defeated North Melbourne by 51 points. That was an absolute cracking game. You how didn't the watch hell it. You're at a wedding. This. Don't how try that. How the hell did this get on the list? You didn't even watch you it. Just it haven't watched, you just haven't watched enough football recently. Banjo, this was the game which was being played at the same time as Melbourne Richmond. So literally no one cared. There wasn't even a crowd there. Um, look, there were a few good players on the day. I think uh, Mundy had 30 and three goals. Fife missed a millions of goals and then had those set shots afterwards. David Mundy is effervescent, and we should comment on that. He is going This is like well. his career best year. Yeah, he's, actually, he's probably in career best form at the moment, which is pretty insane. But apart from that, literally nothing came out of this game, Banjo. It was no. a 51-point thumping. So that's got one vote. I'm pretty happy to ignore this. Keep going. Yep. Two votes, Banjo. And to be honest, I didn't want this in here, but I had a bit of a tie no. break, and you just decided yep. you were going to put it in there because you didn't want them to be the three North Melbourne games that have yep. been played. So, that is accurate. Game from this week, actually. St Kilda defeated Hawthorne by 69 points. Very nice. Pretty boring game. I mean, little bit of positivity about St Kilda, I suppose, but they have shown their ability yeah. to thump teams was, occasionally when they're playing well. It was great for St Kilda to win by five more goals than I expected, but they That's belted a really shit team. Yeah, so. and Hawthorne had a couple of outs as well. They yeah. had O'Meara out, they had Wingard out. Uh, so they played a pretty ordinary opposition and we mm. can't really get much from it. Zach Jones played very well. Like, North might have only lost to that Hawthorne side by four goals. Like, it wasn't a great opposition. Mm, that's even less than you lost to Melbourne by. I know, yeah. and you're shit. On to three votes, Banjo, and I'm happy to say it once again, you are on fire this year, Banjo. So Thank we're saying... You. Geelong defeated North Melbourne by 30 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? We're going to win something this year, Scott. I don't understand why you're so <laughs> negative about North Melbourne. We are absolutely going to win the gold jacket. I, you're, you're just too negative. Literally the 
only thing to come out of this game was Dangerfield's injury. That was the only thing which gave you any points on the gold jacket, can, green can, jacket. Can I be that. honest, though? I do think that's more important than the entire North Frio game <laughs> put together. You can make that argument. But look, the, the formula doesn't lie, the Banjo. The formula doesn't and lie. And the formula punched this out, and this was the most gold jacket, green jacket game. It was by one point, actually, on the gold jacket, green jacket formula. But it was a rubbish game. It was a boring margin and it was an incredibly predictable result. Probably so was, Geelong's worst performance of the year. So let's just move on. It was very gold jacket, green jackety. Let's move on, Banjo. What let's do we got? move on to a slightly better segment. Canecorn's Call no of the Week. No such thing, but yeah. Just stopping so negative, Scott. Anyway, we're going to have our biggest call made by the general media in the last three weeks and then make one of our own to rival it. So what... I'm completely lost myself. We're going to start with the media take. And the media take was Dermot Brereton. He's back. Absolutely being my hero. Do you reckon he's... never said a bad word about him. This is a man who knows exactly what he's talking about. And the fact that he's in this this segment is purely up to you. He would not go anywhere near this (laughs) for my Do you reckon he's been our second most appeared in Gold Jacket Green Jacket? Obviously, Kane... Sorry, in the Kane Corns Big Call of the Week. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, Kane himself is number one. This entire segment has gone off the rails. But yes, definitely. The only rival is Wayne Carey. Yeah. Mate, do, hey, Robbo's been on it a few times, hasn't he? Oh, no. Wayne Carey's dropped off because Talking Footy got cancelled. Yeah, okay. So he doesn't have the platform No, he doesn't anymore. have the platform mm. anymore. But look, Dermot is a, a good contributor. What did he say this time? This is just... It's unfair to Dermot. Like, why should he be put in this segment for speaking the truth? But he said, most people <laughs> who know me know he's in my top two or three players in the comp. And that could be about anyone. But it was about Ben Cunnington. And that's what makes this a bit special. Ben Cunnington, absolute <laughs> hero of a footballer. Just Let us put this into perspective. Comfortably top two or three. What he is saying is that the only player who is better than Cunnington in the competition is presumably Dustin Martin. You'd think so. That is what he's saying. That there is no Refute other player it, Scott. Give me some better than Ben Cunnington. Does, does any other player <laughs> hold the world record for contested possessions in a game? He doesn't no, do anything don't. outside of a contest. Does he, he ever get an uncontested possession? He kicked two goals from uncontested possessions this week, Scotty. He had a very good game this week. He was oh, the best midfielder on the ground he this can, week, Scotty. He can play banjo, but honestly, is he better than Nathan Fife? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Patrick Dangerfield? Easily. Dangerfield's cook. Maxwell Gorn? Yeah. Cosy Pickett? Luke ben Jackson? Cunnington would be, <laughs> ben, ben Brown? Cun- ben, Cun- ben Cunnington would beat Maxwell Gorn in a ruck contest. That's how good Ben Cunnington is. He's, no doubt about it in my mind. He's lost his marbles, old term. I mean, he, he was always a bit of an idiot, he's, he's gone he off the rails. He is genuinely one of the best two, three, four, whatever contested players in the league. But that's not the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> you said even the most passionate North Melbourne supporter would think that that's an insane call. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not true. <laughs> Which is you. And you think it's an insane I th- I think you could make a heavily biased claim that he might be top 20. That's where I bet it was as far as I'm going to go. Yeah, that would be quite biased. <laughs> but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Banjo, my Kane Corns call, and I, I'm going to do a bit of Are a Are you going to be able to beat this? We'll see how I go. But Kane himself has some people who he likes or some clubs that he likes, but sometimes he's able to hammer them as well. He's absolutely hammered Port Adelaide this week. Oh, has he? He's even allowed to go out of his way to bag his own his own boys. So I'm going to do the same thing. I think it has become very, very clear over the last month or so that GWS should get rid of Stephen Canelio at the first opportunity. They have been 
a far, far improved team since he left that's the team. True, that's Basically, true. Basically, what has happened is they've been able to play a bunch of kids who are performing far better than I, him. I don't think they've ever been better when Josh Kelly was out of the team. Mm-hmm. Hopper, <laughs> I agree with you, Banjo. Hopper has a far more... Im- more important role and he's playing very good football Taranto's he playing extremely well he also can't play anywhere well. else so that's a relief off the back line they've now got you know Lockie Ash absolutely dominating he is and a Isaac coming and all of that I mean they've got their kids coming and they're giving him more spark they're playing a more exciting brand of footy and they look like a far better team so I mean ship him off And what's most your in- solution to this though where should he go how much should they get for him I are think- you thinking they should get a top 10 top 5 pick really Hammer that rebuild. They'll probably have two top 10 picks this year. Just really go hard at a reset. Realistically, Banjo, look, I've watched making their mark and he doesn't come across very well. So I have a feeling his value will be significantly lowered as a result. (laughs) Do do you think think whoever trades for him has to take the statue? I think that's a good idea. So that will definitely lower his statue. I mean... (laughs) They just have to. They also have to pay for the extra carry-on luggage. Can now, I, and can that's I just get to my punchline at any point? Are you two just going to keep derailing me? I think Melbourne come to the table, put the statue down, and as a result, they'll be getting Stephen Cornelio for absolute peanuts. Get him over to the days, I reckon. You definitely that's, need another midfielder. I would take Stephen okay. Cornelio without <laughs> without any question at all, even though he's any not statue. very good. <laughs> yeah, I'd even take the statue. That's what we can say. We will even take the statue with him. Genuinely, I've got my fingers crossed for Josh Kelly getting Adam Trelaud to North Melbourne. That's my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that, you would be pretty happy with that. What, what have you got? What's your, uh, your cane <laughs> It easily could be that and my Harry McKay theory. Uh, my big one. Oh, it's very reactionary, I'll admit. It's I watched Friday night with uh, very forensically, and I noticed mm, something. Good game. The Western game. Bulldogs have a fatal flaw. Mm. Tom Lynch absolutely took the piss. He just they had no one to match up on him, and it's really good that they have a all Australian key defend level key defender ready to just come in and take the man. Caleb Daniel's not a key defender. He's a he's a running defender. He's All-Australian, and you said he'd be terrible. They the also line. have a number one draft pick who's kicked five goals multiple times in the VFL, ready to just slot into that forward line. I wonder who you're talking about. So, my <laughs> proposal is very similar to what you're going to have to do with Tom McDonald. <laughs> Send Aaron Norton back. It's about the... It's about the... Uh, I've just completely lost my train of thought. What's a... <laughs> <laughs> I can't help I'm you, mate. I don't gonna... know where you were going with that. It's about the allocation of resources. That's okay, what all right, that works, yeah. <laughs> they got to get their best players into the team. Jamar is clearly one of their best players. They've got to get him into the team. The only way to make room for him in the team is to put Aaron Norton back. Aaron Norton is an absolutely excellent key defender. It works for absolutely everybody. And look, when the pressure's on, Aaron Norton, Aaron Norton crumbles. We saw him take that set shot. It's just the best thing for everybody. If Luke Beveridge doesn't do it, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But does it count as a big call if you've said this basically every week for three years? Yeah, but he keeps playing well as a forward, so it keeps getting bigger and bigger every time I say it. Mate, he's got to be forward. He's too good to go back. He's, he's too <laughs> talented to be wasted in the back line. We, we've gone over this you a million just watch, times. You just watch. But now we're here. Now it's time for the most important segment. Like we've, we've talked a big game about Gold Jack, Green Jack. We've talked a big game about Kane Corns. It's time to introduce our guest. 
I thought we had Braden Proust watch first. No, 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 no. Read All the right. rundown, Scott. Well, we're not introducing our guest because he's bloody been interrupting every five minutes right. anyway, even though we told him to raise his hand if he had anything to contribute. But we I do... Say, I absolutely knew that wasn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very awkward just sitting here and listening to you two. We do have my brother here, uh, Lewis. Lewis, following mm-hmm. him, if you have to know. And quite importantly, he's a big contributor to the pod, actually. He was actually the original author of uh, the Billy Gowers watch Theme he song. was, he so was. So he's an important part Deserves of the There's a writer's credit. But other than that... I think very faithfully we've given him a cut of the proceeds. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, he's still an outstanding ruckman, I think we would say. He's outstanding. There. He's probably, in his own words, uh, the best tap oh, ruckman shit. in the Vaffa, <laughs> is what he is. So, in his own words. And we're, we're big ruck fans. I Absolutely. don't know how much you listen to the podcast, but we talk about ruck work a lot. But we wanted to have a segment dedicated to it, so we thought yeah, we'd have you on for our ruck watch segment. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Lewis. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be no here. No problems at all. Listen, always been a regular listener. Well, for this season I have. You, so you're on and off. I'm on and off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's better than most people, so pat on the back. <laughs> I'm on at the moment, though. It's all I'm we need lit- to hear. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening to this one, I'll tell you that much. So, look, you're, you're clearly the best tap ruckman in the VAFA. We all know that. But, mm-hmm. but aside from that, I want to know what your rucking credentials are and why, what, what can you bring to the table from a ruck work perspective? Well, I guess my story in terms of rucking is from a very young age, my father realised that I wasn't uh, a very coordinated human being. Couldn't kick. It's couldn't an accurate mark, assessment. Couldn't handball. Definitely couldn't run. So he introduced me to this thing called ruckman, uh, ruck, ruck work. Uh, so most people at a young age would be practicing kicking the footy with their old man, but I was actually, <laughs> I was actually practicing my practicing my ruck work from the tender age of about ten. So I've had a fair bit of experience in the field and uh, put that to good use. Premiership ruckman now. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, an avid supporter of, um, of, of ruck work. and Ruckman uh, everywhere. And ruckman everywhere. Who's the best ruckman and, you've and ever ruck, gone ruck up against? Ruck people, thank you. Ruck uh, people, Rory. yes. Um, <laughs> true, you know, true, true, true. Ruck men and women and anything in between. You've, uh, you've, you've played fairly high-level football at times, played A-grade VAFA, played uh, APS first football, am I correct in saying that? Or yeah, just, no, yeah. you're correct in saying that, yeah. Have you played against anyone who's genuinely a good ruckman? <laughs> <laughs> you almost played against Mark Jamar once. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and he got picked it, up by Essendon. Yeah, that's Oh, right. that's devastating. Um, oh, gee, I have. Um, <laughs> um, I've definitely rucked against... Oh, I've rucked against Adam Patterson. Yeah, I remember the name. Was he Richmond? Uh, Richmond listed? Richmond and St Kilda. Yeah, think, yeah. yeah. Didn't Just play a lot. Adam Patterson. And there was a, another bloke who played at Port Adelaide. I can't remember. It was my first game I ever played. He was, he was a spud. He played about five, five games. Yeah, but okay, so we won't remember. He was an AFL ruckman. All right, you've for rucked five, against AFL. Yeah, the guy you rucked against in round one this year was quite... Apparently, he's VFL listed. Sandringham, apparently, yeah. 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 Oh, um, that's better than any of us. And then Lewis did. was dominating him until he did his shoulder five minutes oh, into the yeah, game yeah, in yeah, round uh, one. Very good happy. five minutes. That's, that's <laughs> he a Tom, lost his spot on the VFL That list. is a Tom Campbell-esque performance. Now, <laughs> Banjo, just to let you in on what it's like watching football with Lewis. Mm-hmm. I mean, 99% of the time, he'll just sit there and just rattle on about the Ruckman. He absolutely adores Ruck work. So, I mean, what is it that you love so much about Ruck work? Um, oh, gee, you want to get me started there? <laughs> He's quite passionate. Well, I think it's the most important position on the ground. I mean, 
the, that is what everybody says. <laughs> well, it's it's not what anyone says, and it's quite frustrating. The impact that a ruckman or a ruck woman can have <laughs> can have on a game of football Lost is uh, is yeah, it's uh, it's quite extraordinary. They get they're the first person who has an impact on the game. The first person has a crack. If you have a good ruckman who has a good communication with his on ballers, a good relationship with his on ballers, um, and a good structure around him. He is able, or she is able, <laughs> to uh, simply tear a game apart. Um, and it, I don't think enough ruck people do it correctly. I think quite a lot of them get it wrong. They, they just try and win the hit out uh, and are more, more so concerned about what they do around the ground. Whereas, you know, if they really want to tear a game apart, um, what is most important is the craft and the communication with the on ballers. Well, what about the craft? So, um commentators don't talk a lot about ruck craft. They basically, no, they don't. All they'll ever talk about is occasionally Nick Natanui will pop it over the top yeah, and someone yeah, will run yeah, onto yeah. it. Commentators don't what, genuinely what do they, talk what about do any they craft. Miss? What is the, the trick to ruck work? Uh, well, I, as I said, I think communication is the most important thing. Um, closely followed by, yeah, the ability to be able to read the structure of the, the stoppage and be able to put it to the right spot. And to be able to yeah develop a relationship with your own baller, whereby um, there's a level of trust built. Um, no, so the on baller knows that that's where you're going to put it, and you you put it there. Um, and and I guess yeah the ability to be creative and be smart in terms of yeah where you put it, um, as well as just yeah the simple the simple you know the act of tapping the ball with soft hands and, and placing rather than slapping. Um, so you you you, th- you value sort of ruck work in the inner circle of the stoppage, like right underneath the toes where you're palming down rather than yeah. getting any separation, getting it outside the stoppage and creating well, any space. There's a time and a place for that. There is a time and a place Maxwell for that. Maxwell doesn't mind a big fist occasionally. Yeah, there's, no. there's, there's, He's hitting it over there. That's, that's also part of it. It's about reading the game um, in terms of, you know, what the scoreboard says, the part of the game um, that, it, that it's in, also the position on the ground where it's at and be able to, you know, effectively pick the best spot. To hit it to. What about uh, this? Wasn't on my initial question list, but just thinking about it, what about the the little stuff which people don't know? Because I know you talk about it a lot, and as a result, I do. The body work, the getting in the way, blocking, shepherding for the on ballers, and, and that. Like, how important is that for Ruckman? Uh, super important. I mean, you watched. You know, you were just talking about before how uh, GWS has gone a lot better since Stephen Cornelio went out of the side. Well, that's wrong. GWS <laughs> have gone a lot better since Shane Mumford came in. Undefeated the side. with him in the but side. But he can't ruck. He he can't ruck, but he's such a presence and the body work that he is able to mm. uh, put on display at every contest. The way he throws his body weight around, the way he protects his on ballers, uh, and the presence that he has is is just so important. So it's about hitting it. The communication with the on baller, hitting to where you say you're going to hit it, and then also putting to a spot where you can also impact the contest by throwing your body weight around and protecting your own ballers as, as one of the, as the biggest body in the stoppage. Basically. So ideally you want to place the ball somewhere where if it doesn't go to plan, you can fix it. Well, that's what I like to do. It's that's what you like to do. Other than a hit out, so. <laughs> All right. So you love mummy. Apart from that, I mean, who, who's the best? Who's the best ruckman in the comp? Uh... Max Gorn is currently the best in the comp. Best tap ruckman in the comp or just best player who's a ruckman? Uh, both, I think. Um, so you reckon his core tap work, tap for oh, tap is better than Nick Nats? Because that's probably not the consensus opinion. 
and I, I think know, I, I disagree. Watched, with I, look, I haven't watched enough of Nick Nat this year, but last year, yeah, Nick Nat was better in terms of his his, his ruck work. Um, but so Max back Gorn plays, plays he wears red and blue, and what uh, <laughs> <so. laughs> plays more than half the game? Where, where, where does Grundy sit? Is he below that tier now? Probably. Well, I was talking to you about this off there before, Duckman. So Grundy, I think I've watched him a little bit this year, and he's frustrating because I feel like it's not necessarily he's getting it wrong this year. He's getting it wrong. His hit, his ruck work. He's not having as many hitouts to advantage. He's, he might have games where he gets a, you know, a shitload of hitouts, but he's, he's not getting many to advantage. But it, it looks to me from watching him that he's putting it to where he means to put, where he means to put it, but he doesn't have the structures in place with his on-balls. Um, and he doesn't have that communication, which I was talking about before. And I think that's what's you know sort of lets him down. He's never been as good a tap ruckman as Max Gorn on Nick Nat. No, no but he's he, still his strength good. has been around the ground. Yeah, he, he, but he's had a couple of years where he was still... Uh, Above average ruckman, still a very do you ruckman think, in terms of his tap. Work. Yes. Do you yes, think the fact he, that he's, he's never not. had a ruck coach has caught up with him? I didn't know that he never had a ruck coach. He's, he's, he's finally did. got one this year. This is the first year he's ever had a ruck and coach. He's been shit. <laughs> and I gen, no, but like they got him uh, two weeks ago or something. <laughs> uh, when, when that happens, if when and we talk about it all the time, when that happens, if someone gets sixty hitouts and they lose the clearances, and everyone says, "Oh, ruckman aren't that important," mm. is that his fault or is that? The on-baller's fault, or is it the coach's fault? Well, it depends. It depends. Yeah. From what I've seen of him, I do not feel like it's necessarily his fault. I feel like it's it's the it's the structure that they have around the stoppage, and it's the communication between him and his on-ballers. Well, when you look at it, his midfield's gotten a lot worse this year. They lost Trelaw. Adams has been out for long term. Pendlebury inside bottom are older. Mm. Jamie Elliott's not in there. Not that he's great or anything, and. Consequently, his ruck work's not as and, <laughs> influential. And, and it's well, different. So they yeah, need yeah. to find some yeah. chemistry. Because when you're talking about trust, like the on might yeah, not be confident he's going to put it where he says he's going to. No. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 Now, what about the worst ruckman in the comp? All of a sudden, this is a bit of a... We know where this well, is going. Because you've got some uh, passionate views on poor ruckman as well. Well, I, you know, I I'm, guess... I'm expecting one name to feature here <laughs> very prominently. Yeah, there's this bloke... He plays for the Western Bulldogs, and thank God this guy called Stefan Martin came into that side because Tim, <laughs> Tim English goes against everything, everything I stand for as a ruckman, and I stand coordination. for as a supporter of ruckman. <laughs> <laughs> coordination, the ability to impact around the ground, kick a goal, <laughs> kick. Um, but yes, like you know, he does he does all that stuff, but he, I mean. People tend to forget. Like I've seen that guy. You, we've all seen that guy get absolutely His lack of strength bullied and destroyed <laughs> by big, strong ruckman. I remember watching Shane Mumford last season, who would lose every week in terms of the hitouts. Mm. Mumford gave him an absolute bath, and it, and it's demoralising to the team, and it's demoralising the on ballers, and he's just an absolute. He gets joke pushed of off the he's line so too easily. Far off it, like maybe one day, but at the moment. He's soft, he's weak, he's useless. But he's also <laughs> older than you think. He came into the league as a 19-year-old. He's not quite as young as you think. How he's, old is he? He's like 23 oh, or 4 yeah, now. Just, like, just he's up. not going to bulk up. And that's genuinely why I think they've put him to centre-half forward. He's, just, he's not going to be able to be a proper ruckman. Well, can you get off the fence and tell us what you actually think <laughs> about Tim English? Can I, can, I, can I ask you a follow-up question, though? Yeah. How is that demonstrably different 
to Luke Jackson. Oh, you dog! Oh, right. Well, one like, thing- where's his ruck work? He had seven hitouts on the weekend. Got yeah, pants dog, by Tom Campbell. <laughs> yeah, look, he, he, his ruck work on the weekend wasn't great. But what was great about him on the weekend were his second efforts around the contest. Right. And in his ability to, as soon as the ball hits the deck, get down and dirty and get it out. The amount of clearances that he got, the amount of handballs that he got out of packs was I awesome mean, on the weekend. You would and, hope and you'd have a good second effort when your first one's so shit. <laughs> and he was coming up against Goldstein and Tom Campbell. Can't believe a, Ruck, a Ruckman jet. got a Rising Star nomination for seven hit outs. Well, and you're endorsing this. Yeah, look. Wait, where's your purism? Yeah, no, listen, listen, listen. I was slightly biased. <laughs> and I have no doubt that the other, Ruck, Ruckman too takes longer to develop. And he's a young kid. He's got the best mentor in the game in Max Gorn. Um, some of the ruck work he does, he's on the right track. The hitouts that he wins are really good. Yeah, that's true. The hitouts that he, he doesn't win that many at the moment because he's young and he's getting thrown around a bit. But you think he'll ever be big enough to be a primary ruck? Yes, though? I do. He's built himself up he's immensely he in one year. year. He's also not two hundred centimeters. Yes, he is. No, he's like one ninety-seven. I'm pretty sure he's two hundred. I don't know what he is, but he's tall enough. I to thought be he a was two hundred on the dot. From memory, <laughs> this has derailed the conversation. Mate, mate, <laughs> as you'll quickly check up, he, he's a skinny, athletic Mumford, is probably what you'd call him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Liam, Liam Jordan. <laughs> Look, whilst you're doing that fact checking, both of you, last question 199. Oh, <laughs> whatever. That's a victory. Look, last, as far as que- I'm last, last question on Ruck Watch before we move on. Do you have any diamonds in the rough that we don't know about? Ruckman who are good, who we don't really talk about a lot. You didn't prepare me for this question, mate. I did. (laughs) I know exactly who you're bringing to the table. The guy you decided was absolute jet on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched uh, the North Melbourne uh, Melbourne game on the weekend. (laughs) Oh, did you? And maybe you blokes can tell me a little bit about him, but he was. I was very impressed by. a fellow by the name of Tom Campbell. <laughs> That's the name, uh, yes. He uh, looked at me uh, yeah. confidently then. <laughs> he, he, uh, he was good. He was strong. His ruck work was quite good. He was a presence. I'm uh, glad you spotted the 28-year-old breakout candidate for North Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> He's real old. Well, as my father always said to me, big men take longer than <laughs> I think he was telling me that because uh, I was shit out. He was so. telling you that <laughs> from so the age of 10, trying to say, don't be discouraged that you're so much worse than everyone yeah, else. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Now, this is Lewis's ruck knowledge is very good, but this is the one flaw is that he literally only watches Melbourne games. So his opinion on any ruckman is purely how they rucked against He Max has Ball. genuinely watched the best game of Tom Campbell's life by a Tom lot. Tom Campbell was very he good. He's yeah. a he was very good on the weekend. He had a real impact. He kicked two goals, didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was a great second ruckman. He beat yeah. Luke Jackson in the hitouts when he was in there, unsurprisingly. We, look, we've talked about Tom Campbell for way too long already. Banjo. But he's also never done any of those things before. <laughs> now... Segway, speaking of Ruckman, what speaking are we on to Speaking of Ruckman, now? we're on to the most interesting Ruckman in the competition. Maybe Mumford's a bit of a com- bit of a, of challenger to this title, but there's really only one Ruckman that we care about off-field. BB. BB. Big Bad Brayden. That's <laughs> no, not three Bs. It's, it's, bra- it's Brayden Badass. Brayden but anyway, badass. can you throw to the segment? <laughs> it's time for Brayden Bruce Watch. <laughs> Push yourself to dance. Push yourself to dance. Push yourself to dance. Push yourself to dance. 
<laughs> have you got anything to bring to the table I to us? I have a massive update. Three weeks ago, I was looking at the injury list. What was he, Scott? He was 9 to 13. He was 9 to 13 three weeks ago. This is a Tom Hickey like resurrection. He's playing this week, is he? He is only three to five weeks away. And judging by what's in the water in Sydney, he's playing next week. So we're we're likely still not going to have any material for Braden Proust watch for another two podcasts. Well, we can just revisit the time he absolutely murdered Tom McDonald in a preseason game, if you like, because that was wonderful. What? <laughs> what in the... In oh, it was a tackle. Yeah. Oh, that was, that oh, was, that was in yeah. AFLX. Yeah. You laugh at me. Why was he picked in AFLX? You laugh at me, but you all know what I'm talking yeah, about. I do know. <laughs> no, Banjo, it's a rubbish segment, but look, I, I do need to go a little bit um, lateral here because we have some interesting news to bring to the table. For our watch segments, have you been watching Billy Gowers? Have you been... Have you seen, seen how... I have a lot of time watching the VFL, but I have occasionally... I had a look at the stats. Mate, his form line... I'm guessing line, is all you've done. <laughs> he's playing for the Southport Sharks, mate. There's only three games into the VFL season. He's kicked six goals, two, five goals, five, and then kicked two on the weekend in a big loss. Oh, that's not bad. When is the mid-season draft? You're the encyclopedia. When is it? Tell me. Uh, I think it's after round 11 or 12. So four weeks away. By the next pod, we could know. Do you reckon he's a chance? Uh, I think it'd be... Ridiculous if he's not picked up. Exactly. Judging by this. Exactly. Who, who needs him? Like, where's he going? Uh, any North Melbourne? You'd want him, wouldn't you? He's a bit old. He f- he no, f- he's, not, he's not kicking out he, Tom Campbell. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, he, f- we're not, he flogged you, Matt Tom. We're, we're not looking for good players. We're looking for young players. So it just doesn't quite fit the criteria. Mate, he's got. He will make everyone else better around him. Well, if Fritz had, if Fritchell had got uh, rubbed out, he could have been a good handy backup for Melbourne. You, you, who's your backup? For? I know. I oh, think, look, I'd, I'd take him. him. <laughs> I'd take him. But, I would take Billy Gowers. Any team, any team would be lucky to have Billy Gowers. So, I mean, this could be the biggest story of the year. Yeah, absolutely. If it's thrilling, honestly, I have a question. If he gets drafted, do we cancel Braden Bruce watch? Probably before he plays a game during Braden Bruce Lodge, <laughs> or do we run both segments simultaneously? We'll see how the GWS injury list is looking. And what if he gets drafted to GWS and they play together? We just call it GWS Watch. Oh, yeah, we'll call it GWS Watch, yeah. Okay, so that's That'd a be, dream oh scenario. God, that would be incredible. Imagine him tapping it down in the forward line to Billy Gowers. Oh, my goal. goodness. That would be the greatest moment in football history. You remember when he nearly kicked the match-winning goal against North Melbourne? I mean, he played some great that was games. Unbelievable! He's a superstar. He's their leading goal kicker. How three did he years get delisted? I mean, he could have been playing in a grand final winning side. Andrew, how's our timestamp looking? Are oh, we we're way too far gone. So we're going to quickly move on to Poochie's mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> it's back, Poochie's mailbag. Poochie's mailbag's back because you, for some reason, thought we wouldn't have enough, but we did. And who gives a shit? Because we're going to keep going. Can I explain what the title of the segment came from? No, you may not. I do think it's quite funny, though. It's a funny backstory. You absolutely do not need to tell a story from when we were 12. No, well, it was, no, no, not why his name's Poochie. But it was a mailbag segment in which we were meant to put it out to the people asking for questions. And Can't literally, believe the, you're actually doing the this. The only person who ever sent us any questions was Poochie. So our friend Kurt, who we call Poochie. Completely so, disrespecting David Payne. So that's why it's now purely once. Poochie's mailbag. And we ask him to send some okay. questions. Okay, the first question to shut you up. How has Collingwood fallen so far given much of the 2018 grand final side is still there? And who's more at fault, Buckley or the list management team? Who asked this question? Poochie, yeah. Poochie asked all the questions. Yeah, so to be fair, it was the only person we asked to ask a question. So this one's not so much on him. 
No. You can ask questions later if we've got time and we won't, so we'll cut them. <laughs> Lewis, shut up. <laughs> Collingwood Banjo. Yep. Interesting discussion point. Not so much because, I mean, it's a stupid question. Why have they fallen so far? I mean, we've been talking about this for months and months and months. Of course we know why they've fallen this far. Yeah. They had a massive salary cap stuff Dane up. Beams. They're racist. Their president's been kicked out <laughs> of the club. They're, in, they're unstable. They're a very confused football club. There's many, many reasons as to why they're not performing poorly. And that's obvious. And that's not a story. No rock coach. What no I rock find, coach for years. What I find interesting out of Collingwood at the moment is... I mean the Buckley story and the the talk around whether you he's going to get You are fascinated by this, and quite rightfully. What I find fascinating about it all is I think that Nathan Buckley has been the best performing coach in the media for his entire career. Yeah. I think he's been outstanding, and I still think now people seem to be talking about him in that same light. But I have found his media performances and his press conferences incredibly confusing and only adding to the instability of the club. Well, he's a dead man walking. And kind of everybody knows that, and he knows that. And like the, you've heard sort of leaked stories about, oh, does Buckley even want to coach this club anymore? But, that, but, that, but that's what's happened is he's created that. He got asked questions about whether yeah. he wants to coach the club. And he danced around it about five different occasions. He was the one who said, oh, look, I don't know. We'll see what's happening at the end of the year and we'll make I know. that decision I think he's again. trying to do the Brad Scott playbook without the lack of people caring about it. What's the Brad Scott playbook? When he was sacked, (laughs) he's like, I'll do whatever the club needs. He wore North Melbourne polos for like a month afterwards. But but now he's come out and he said that he does want to coach them. So, I mean, just just give an answer. So at least we know. Then we have some direction and we can talk about the rest. I think it's only added to the instability. I I, I can't see him sticking around. He's got to be gone, surely. The other thing in the media which he completely stuffed up was the bloody phone debacle. His excuse for why they got those phones... I mean, you know there's what not I'm been, I know, but there's not been one well-handled media story out of Collingwood in the last six months. But he's like. meant to be the good one. And when they asked him why Jordan he picked up the phones, he said he was concussed. And he almost said it in this smart-ass way as if like, well, of course he was concussed. How was he supposed to know what he's doing? Like, he still knew which phones were theirs. He, he was still clearly in control. He, How was fine and he took the phones <laughs> off them. Why wasn't the box locked by the people? And he said... need to be locked. He said, we don't have, we've cut staff, so we don't have a box locker anymore. <laughs> I mean, how long does that take? Three seconds? It's like, it didn't make any sense. We cut staff and forgot to send someone to cut the key. But, like, he wasn't even trotted yeah, out to, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even trotted out to deal with the racism report or anything. He didn't speak on that for ages until they had to start speaking for pre-season. He just hasn't been the same tool that they used to use him as. He where he'd completely completely shut down all the discontent can i just say he's, i think his personal life is still is also in absolute turmoil yeah true like he got divorced kind of, yeah yeah, okay. the, yeah, yeah like i think and he's there's all these rumors going around about his wife rooting all these all right we don't deal in rumor and indu- innuendo on this <laughs> podcast I mean, but i think he, he's a broken man we, we will we will ask well, that you about that once we finish recording <laughs> that might add to the confusion around his press conferences but the other thing I, I did one other thing just very quickly that he said in the same interview as the phone thing was and this never got picked up on he was talking about how's hamstring and how after his knee he's had a lot of soreness in his hamstring and his exact wording as to why he did his mm-hmm. hamstring he said at that stage, it was a probability, not a possibility, that he would do a hamstring. That's what he said. 
Why was he playing? And no one picked up on it because he talked about his job and everyone was talking about all the other stuff. That was word for word what he said. He said, at that stage, it it got to the point it was more of a probability than a possibility. Isn't that exactly when you say someone's managed? Exactly. We've come up with this absolute bullshit reason to drop someone and they finally have an actual reason to do it. His media performance has slided a lot. And I found that interesting out of Colin. Mm. Yeah, fair, fair. That was a long answer. expected to, like... Given all the pressure that he's under, yeah, he, I, he, he's got no answers, and he's a broken man. You can tell the way by the way he speaks; like he has no answers. True, even his. But body. then, why did he come out and change his mind and say, "Yes, I do want to coach as firmly as he did"? Just, just give us an answer. Because occasionally you just want to say to. "fuck you" to everybody. Because people like you saying, "Oh, give us an answer." So I would prefer him to have stuck with his original answer rather than flip flopping around. But anyway, we've talked about that for long enough. His original answer was flip flopping around. No, I'm flip-flopping as in changing his mind on things. Stay out of it. <laughs> Quick question, though. Do you actually feel like answering the question we were asked, or did you just want to do that side? But I don't even know what the question was. Just answer the, ask the next one. <laughs> Is the team announcement debate the biggest waste of time since AFLX? No. Yeah, Lewis is very... Now, I, I do find this one quite interesting, because honestly, about 50% of the population is so fiercely passionate about Thursday night teams being released. And about 50% of the population are a bit in the who gives a toss, why does it matter, just let the clubs pick the teams when they're ready to pick the teams. I'm probably in the who cares. Every poll I've seen has been like 90% wanting. I get get from a fan perspective, I'd probably prefer it, but I don't think that slight preference should outweigh the ability of teams to actually select their team when they're ready, like why should they have? I've to pick never their team? seen your brother look more disappointed. Why should and they have to with pick you their, than he does right now? Why should they have to pick their team three days in advance? It's stupid. They might not know by then. Let them pick it the day before. No, absolutely not. But look, I don't care. Either way, it I need to be able to gamble my hard-earned money with a bit of gambling and, and fantasy football are not good enough reasons. Just reminisced back in the days where on a Thursday night the teams would get announced. You get all excited, you wake up on the Friday morning, you have the paper as a kid, you, well, your parents have the paper, and that all the teams would be on there. You do your tips, you look at the teams, you see who's in and out, how much excitement we were Friday you morning, look in the paper. Guessing who was in and out of the Melbourne team every Thursday night. We just night. do that a day later now. Genuinely. No, I never even know when it's announced. Genuinely. The day before. It's Scott, 6.30 genuinely, the day before. I used to text you, you, you and I would have a conversation at 6.30 every Thursday night. It's exciting. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I understand that, but I don't think just a little bit of nostalgia and joy should be a reason to overturn kind of an integrity thing. People should, be integrity able, people should be able to pick their teams when they're ready to. At Thursday night, they probably don't know a lot the, of the so, answers. Then you pick the three extended on the bench. That's, like That's just a waste do. of time. Just pick the teams when they're ready. I, 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 I look. I look. To be honest, I don't. I don't know why I'm buying into that. I, I don't care. It doesn't really matter. I Clearly, like <laughs> I, I don't think it matters. Okay. But yeah. Okay. So let's end off with one last final question. This is also from Kurt, and I had absolutely nothing to do with it. But should Melbourne be concerned about how easily North Melbourne controlled the, the game of football for a half? I mean, you did look pretty ordinary there. Haven't we already gone over this off the top? Yeah, but let's just revisit it one last time before we stop recording. You're uh, pretty shit. We, it was our worst performance of the year by a long way. As I said, it's we only played about 20 minutes of Melbourne football and we were still able you to You have also forgotten way too much about the Frio game. <laughs> 
That oh, game yeah, that, was awful. That was a bit ugly, but we were better in that game than we were this week, for sure. We played about 20 minutes of Melbourne football and we still flogged you, so no, I'm not too worried flogged. about it. Flogged. Flogged. Oh, we beat you pretty comfortably. We had a massive percentage booster out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Hang your head in shame, Bandy. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hey, it was only an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> we'll see you in about a month. Boy.